Greater Santon and beyond. Get ready for the Santon Times Hour with your host, Alexander. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between and beyond. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and also available on all good podcast platforms. I'm Alexander Leibner, and this is edition 122. It's week 28 of 2023. And yes, we're in the middle of July, and I'm excited to be with you once more. If you'd like to send us uh, some questions, some comments, some feedback, well, you can do so using editor at santantimes.co.za if you're a whiz with email. If you're on social media, you can connect with us on Santon Times and also uh, now on Threads this week. So if you're hip and trendy and with it, well, you can look up the Santon Times on Threads. Also on the website, www.santontimes.co.za. And also, if you're listening live on Mix 93.8 and not on the podcast at a later stage, well, you can use the WhatsApp line right now. It's open 0848220938. A very special warm welcome, well, <laughs> as warm as it can be, uh, to everyone listening in Johannesburg and Pretoria across South Africa, or wherever else you are in the world, if you're online or you're on air, I'm happy to report that all is well in Santonland. And yes, I'm joined once more by my Italian maestro behind the desk, Vincenzo. It's good to see you again. And uh, did you leave the uh, the chest freezer open overnight? Goodness, it's been <laughs> it's been chilly over the last 24 hours. I have to put on an extra uh, pair of underpants and a, and a jacket and a jersey and the whole lot just to keep it all warm. Well, I've been down in Cape Town uh, for a week, and there's uh, so much to share from that trip, but uh, I'm not going to do that uh, right now. We'll be holding that for uh, another time when we get to chat about that. But coming up on this week's show, it's been one of the most discussed stories of the week, and uh, it will continue to be so uh, as investigations continue, and I get a legal opinion on a few matters surrounding the now-famous VIP protection video. Then he's bringing a new comedy show to Santon with a hint of Greek and so much more. Uh, we'll get you all the details around that. And after that, I bring you some conversation around some of the best spirits to buy right now. Stay tuned. And finally, a Santon-based company has invested in bee colonies. Well, Vincenzo, let's have a look at that. There's so much more coming up shortly, but uh, time to get the show underway with our first bit of music for the hour. So, Vincenzo, let's do it. Promote your brand. Advertise your business. Our audience could be your next client. Contact the Santon Times today. The latest news. The biggest names. The best destinations. The hottest entertainment. This is the Santon Times Hour. Yeah, this is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 with Jax and Jones. Uh, with Fireboy DML and their new track, Me and My Guitar. That's just dropped uh, this last uh, week. And, you know, as we try and do 
If it's new, we put it on the show. Let me know what you think. It's time for some headlines for this week. So rumor has it that American boxing legend Floyd Money Mayweather is heading to Santon for a bespoke banquet dinner aimed at raising funds for South African youths in boxing. And that's on Saturday, July 15th. Vincenzo, I sent uh, Floyd a DM on Instagram, uh, but I'm still waiting for a response. So... Uh, yeah, just take off those boxing gloves. I don't think we're I don't think we're invited. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll be going to this thing, but uh, that's all about uh, as much as I know. I'll try and find out some more. Um, I also saw this on Twitter. Henshem, a company which distributes pest control products, including industrial fumigation items, has raised the alarm after a steel cylinder went missing last week. And I saw the cylinder; it's like a big, bright yellow one. Uh, it was stolen during a hijacking at the Marlborough off ramp in Santon. And if the cylinder is opened to release the content, innocent people could die. Goodness. The stolen cylinder must therefore be retrieved at all costs, and we urge the public to assist uh, and to report any possible sightings of the cylinder or equipment, uh, says the company's Leonard Henning. So if you see this bright yellow canister, I'm going to get some more information on this as well. Please, you know, report it to uh, the nearest uh, law enforcement. We even call the Henchem, and uh, maybe they can help secure this uh, dangerous uh, piece of equipment. And then the most expensive penthouse in Kaoting, well, that's been sold for 75 million. 75 million! Goodness me. It's located in Waterfall City, Midrand, and the 400 square meter duplex penthouse boasts luxurious features such as a private rooftop garden, jacuzzi, and a heated pool, and an envious proximity to the Mix 93.8 studios. That must have driven the price up, Vincenzo. This sale surpasses the prices of penthouses and other notable developments, including the Leonardo right here in the heart of Santon, and also Stain City out there in four ways. The Ellipse development, as it's known, takes pride in its self-sufficiency, featuring a private fire brigade and privately controlled security, waste collection, cleaning water, and electricity backup systems. So this ensures efficient municipal services without relying on the government. How's that? Well, let's leave the headlines right there for this week. The plot thickens as more and more information is revealed around the VIP protection members caught on camera beating up motorists in a VW polo. It's triggered widespread outrage, and I catch up with David Kochikov, candidate attorney with APA Africa, to get a legal opinion on some of the issues surrounding this video next. Online. On air. Anywhere. Anytime. This is the Santon Times Hour. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and available on all good podcast platforms. And uh, yeah, as we kick off this week's hour, uh, one of the most uh, talked about incidences this week, uh, I think in Greater Santon, was that incident on the highway in Four Ways where we saw uh, some victims being beaten up by what uh, is now being revealed as the VIP security to... Uh, one of the principles in uh, in our state, and uh, it's sent shockwaves all around. I mean, you know, the question is, uh, would it have been as uh, high profile if it hadn't been recorded? But to chat about some of the legal implications and to get a bit of a legal opinion on this, I'm joined by David uh, Kochikov. He's the candidate attorney with APA Africa. And uh, David, as we kind of get into this, one of the questions I had was, what can and can't you film and release on a public platform? as uh, this individual did and obviously now has gotten this entire story and all of us talking about it. 
So primarily, especially when you're speaking about uh, recording police officers uh, in the course of their duty, there exists no current legislation or regulation that hinders the public from recording police officers in the course of their duties. Uh, it falls effectively within the ambit of whistleblowing. I believe the most important thing here is if you are so recording the police officers, do not hamper them in the course of their duties. There, there's no legal implication as such, but obviously also there's uh, there must be limits to what you can and can't film in terms of uh, sort of policing. In effect, if, if you see a police officer doing something that you believe is subject to some form of impropriety or uh, whatever the case may be, if you believe that there is a, a violation of a person's rights or there's some form of abuse on underway, you are, in terms of South African law, there's nothing prohibiting you from recording that and and effectively distributing that. The only thing that, like I say, that I reiterate is you do not hamper them within the course of their duties. All right. Okay. So in terms of the Blue Light Brigade, which is obviously the big focus point uh, on this particular video that's been circulating, what are motorists legally required to do when they come in contact with a Blue Light Brigade on the highway as it stands right now? Uh, first and foremost, the most important thing that we need to understand is that the VIP protection services, as we understand them, were established under Program 5, a mandate given to them by the South African Police Service Act. So they are, uh, in effect, South African police officers. The most important thing here is, in accordance to the National Road Traffic Act regulations and the Act uh, accordingly, if a vehicle is displaying signs of identification that they are in effect emergency services, drivers must give way immediately and absolutely they must give right of way to emergency service uh, drivers, such as, for example, the VIP protection services, if they are flashing lights and sirens and they identify themselves as emergency services, you must move out of the way. All right. So it's very much the same as you would have with an ambulance or a, a metro police car or any other sort of state car that is on its way to somewhere important, we assume. Correct. All right. So in terms of the procedure, and as I say, once again, this entire incident is under investigation, and it's obviously probably a little bit of a unique situation, but procedurally, what would have been the process if the drivers in the polo had been in contravention of what we've just outlined? Well, in terms of the National Road Traffic Act regulations, if a driver, you if you see those lights and you do not give them right of way, that constitutes an offence. In terms of legislation and regulations, as said, the members of the South African Police Service are allowed to pull you over in the face of such an offence. However, and obviously, they were not allowed to commit act of, acts of violence and abuse, as evidenced in the video. Yeah, yeah. So, so what do you assess the legal case to be here now for the victims against the state in this particular incident? Well, simply put, in the event of undue force, as the video shows, the police officers have convicted an offence and they should be reported. There exist precedents in South African law that uh, individuals who are subject to uh, abuses may apply to the courts for constitutional damages as a result. Okay, all right. So there could be quite a bit more involved here. I know a case has been opened at the Santon Police Station, and obviously this is uh, still continuing in terms of an investigation. Your thoughts on uh, the suspension of the eight members of the VIP protection uh, unit and removing them from their post? I suppose that is procedurally what needed to happen? Absolutely. Just even further to that, in terms of jurisprudence, there exists a theory that the law is only itself as valid as the measurement of adherence by the legislators and the forces, enforcers of the law themselves. It was the right decision to, to suspend them and uh, pending an SIU investigation, they may be held criminally liable for their actions. The actions of the officers from the video scene outraged the public and the decision to suspend the officers does demonstrate a measure of accountability by the government. 
However, uh, the government is maybe considered as being reactive and not proactive, uh, merely suspending eight officers caught red-handed without a full in-depth investigation into the overall police structure is just treating the symptom, not the actual sickness. Right. I mean, in your opinion, like we've seen now, it's possibly not uh, the normal measures that are taken when uh, when these sort of things happen. But what measures should be taken going forward if a similar incident uh, occurs? And uh, and how do we address the conduct of, of the VIP protection unit? Well, I think first and foremost, the most important thing that needs to happen at this stage is a full in-depth investigation into the conduct of the, the officers, but more so to that the overall SAPA structure as a whole. It may be necessary to impose stricter, more punitive consequences for police brutality. There needs to be an evaluation into the effectiveness of legislation and regulation in regulating police conduct. There should be means made available to make it easier for reporting police misconduct and abuses. And uh, an abandonment of the laissez-faire attitude sort of taken where an investigation is concluded and then no actions follow since. And then we just uh, happen to wait for the next incidence of uh, public abuse. Right, right. What steps should be taken uh, to ensure accountability and justice for the victims uh, of this assault now? I mean, I know initially they were hesitant to report uh, the entire incident. And if it hadn't been once again for this video, it would have probably also just sort of blown over or become sort of part of conversation and, and probably not have gone as far as it has. I think, especially for the victims in this case, uh, they did the right thing by going to the police uh, station and opening up a criminal complaint there. It is also very, uh, very much of a of a pro that there is an in-depth investigation underway. But generally speaking, and in aggregate, it's important to educate victims to seek legal advice and get assistance. They either need to secure legal services, either paid or through legal aid. Victims need to be encouraged to actually come forth and to not be intimidated and fear some sort of reprisal. And generally to the members of the public, if you see something, you've got to say something. Well, I think that's a, a very good note to leave it on. If you see something, say something. And in this instance as well, they went as far as recording it and uh, posting it on various platforms. And like I said, it's been probably one of the most discussed topic of the week and probably will be one of those topics of the year as we continue uh, with this investigation and this particular incident. David Kochikov, a candidate attorney with APA Africa. Thank you for uh, your legal insights on this. And it's the bottom of the hour of the Santon Times Hour. We're going to take a quick musical break and more of the Santon Times Hour right after this. Get up, show up and level up. Make the move and join Virgin Active. You'll score a gym bag, July free, plus activate a world of rewards. Discovery Vitality members get even more. Get started. Call 0860, get fit or visit your nearest club. Bag big rewards. Virginactive.co.za. T's and C's apply. The Santa Times Hour continues. You're listening to the Santa Times Hour on Mix 93.8 uh, with Ava Max and my head and my heart. Taking you into the second half of the Santa Times Hour, my name is uh, Alexander Leibner. And uh, if you listen to the show regularly or if you don't, well, let me give you a quick rundown of what happens now. I tell you all about how you can get all the information, all the details that we have on the show on our show notes on the website. So you heard something, you weren't quite sure what the details were, you remember a name, a phone number, or just something vaguely, go onto the website www.santantimes.co.za and we'll put all the information up there. So you don't have to try and remember things or try and note them down on your phone. And also be sure to check out the Santon Times on social media at Santon Times, now on threads as well as of this week. And uh, you can also send us a, a text, a tweet, a WhatsApp, a voice note, whatever works for you. And uh, you can also use the hashtag Santon Times Hour. Well, my next guest, he's going to be performing in Santon uh, in the coming days. Uh, he's got a, a theater performance and he's also uh, an established author and uh, many other things. His name's Costa Karastavrakis. 
And uh, he joins me on the line. Costa, it's great to have you on the Santon Times Hour. Thank you for allowing me to be here. I should have said uh, Calimera, Costa. Calimera, Calimera. Ticanes. I'm ready for Santon. Fantastic, man. Well, let me tell you, I think we've just uh, appeased our Greek listeners. Uh, I think they make up a, a percentage or two. So uh, at least they feel like they're now part of the show now after almost, uh, what's it, two or three years. Costa, listen, you've got a show coming up called Desperately Seeking Zouflaki. I sat down, I went through a whole list of Greek restaurants that I can recommend in Johannesburg for you. So if you're looking for Zouflaki, I can give you uh, some recommendations. Or is that not what this is about? That, that's not what this is about. Oh. Um, you know, I am seeking Zouflaki in terms of... Uh, the best Greek experience. But more than that, I'm seeking, you know, the show's about me seeking my identity, seeking my place in South Africa as a Greek guy, as a gay guy. Um, and Suvlaki, you know, I mean, could, could you know, could, could, you know, be something like, you know, when a man seeks Bourivos, a gay man <laughs> seeks Lucky. You know, there's a few, there's a few nuances, you know, that some, uh, that some people might, may pick up. Well, that already gives us a bit of a, a flavor for what people can expect coming from your uh, comedy show. You've performed it, I think, once or twice already, and uh, it's been quite a success, has it? It really has. We sold out at that's on the Square uh, two months ago, and last uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we sold out in Cape Town. So I've come back to do a run at Theatre on the Square, 12th to the 16th of July. So Costa, tell me, I mean, you've, you've written a book as well called I'm Costa from Meth to Marathons. And often comedy does come from a dark place. Many comedians yeah. have come from a place where they've gone through some sort of turmoil, uh, some more than others. And it seems like your comedy is also coming from that kind of place that you've gone through some hardships in life and, and, and you're able to reflect on those. And, and and also have a bit of a laugh about the whole thing. Well, that's the thing. I think I think a, comedy is so close to tragedy, and comedy has something to do with a surprise or a alleviation of pain after tragedy. So yeah, I mean, when you go through a lot, and everybody goes through a lot. I'm not exempt. I'm not the only one who has been through a lot. But um, once you've gone through a healing process, it's easier to laugh at what you've gone through. Clearly, without healing, then you're literally just mocking yourself. And it's been many years in the making and some a dream of mine always. So I started comedy a couple of years ago. And I do link some of my tragedy to the comedy. It's not a prerequisite, but it does allow for some really funny stories because almost all of what I speak about is true. <laughs> well, you've got to share one of those stories now. I mean, at least give us a, a taster of, uh, of, of one of those situations. Well, you know, my grandmother found my sex tape. Oh, well, there's a start. There, uh, I'll just leave that. There we go. I'll just drops mic, walks out. Enough said, right? Okay, Costa. Well, moving on from there. <laughs> um, you know, it clearly shows that humor has also played a big role in uh, your recovery process. And uh, does it feel like a bit like the audience is also part of that sort of therapy session that we that that we all go through? You know, the audience does feel like they're a part of it because because when you do hear a laugh especially for a comedian. That's what you want. You want the laughs. When you hear the belly laughs, it makes all the strife worth it. It also makes all the sweat and uh, that you put into the show worth it. So definitely, I love I love my audiences. They've been exceptionally generous from the open mic circuits um, and uh, from all my audiences. Uh, interestingly, uh, the, the audiences that are most generous are the ones that are least like me. I'm talking from women to straight men to non-Greeks to like all races of South Africa. Uh, the story is a universal one. 
You know, we all come from families that have a mess. We all come from from environments that, you know, have their issues. And I'm just not shy to talk about my issues or my community's issues. And very lovingly, I draw attention to things that maybe we need to take notice of. Kasa, tell me a little bit more about this process of transitioning from writing a book. Obviously, before that, you you were not an author. You were living your life. Mm. You then went to writing a book and then translating that onto a live stage. I mean, for most people, standing in front of a group of people and saying anything is the most horrifying thing they could possibly do. I mean, I can imagine coming from the story and the experiences you'd been through to now doing this must have been, uh, must have been quite a challenging exercise. A very, a very challenging exercise. Getting up on stage for the first time ever. I did it in New York at the Gotham Comedy Club. I'd never, ever, ever done stand-up before, and I threw myself onto that stage. I've never felt fear like that in my life. I did it because, I think it's because a combination of people saying I couldn't do it, and then that that drove me even further. But then it also was a case of, it is now time. And when something's pulling you in a certain direction, no matter how much fear you have, you just got to do. So I stopped thinking, and I started more doing. And uh, I mean, I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. I've still have many more to make. But the the joy of of being able to stand up and share is much greater than the fear. Do you also hope that this this theatre platform that you've now created through this show is going to encourage other people who may be going through very similar things that you went through, help them get through these challenges, and maybe inspire them to say, you know what, I actually need to toe the line. I actually need to get myself right. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I have a very serious part of my message, and that is that um, all recovery is possible if you just want it badly enough. And forgiveness of your past, forgiveness of yourself, forgiveness of your community, your family, your everybody is possible if you just approach it in the right way with the right amount of intention. I also want people to look up there and go, hey, you know, if you want to look at yourself as for who you really are, nobody's going to tear you down. We live in a world where everybody's scared to be who they are because somebody's going to tear them down. You know what? It doesn't matter. Just you do you. And I'm hoping to inspire people to stand in their own power and do who they are. Because you can only be who you are. People say to me, oh my gosh, it's so difficult. How do you do comedy? I'm like, I just behave like myself. Costa is going to be desperately seeking Zuflaki at the uh, Theatre on the Square from the 12th to 16th of July, 2023. And if you want to head down there and get some comedy with a bit of spice, uh, that's where you want to go. It's 170 rand a ticket and you can go to CompuTicket. And remember, no audiences under 16 years old. Uh, you know, it might be awkward for them, might be awkward for you. Either which way, make sure you get down there and enjoy the comedy. And Costa, it's been great having you on the Santon Times Hour. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you at my show and everybody else. Pull in. The best of talk and music in one hour. This is the Santon Times Hour. All right, it's time to chat spirits. And when I talk spirits, I mean award-winning spirits. And uh, the Trophy Spirits show for 2023 took place, and they've announced their winners. And if you're not familiar with the show, well, the uh, show is open to all producers and importers of uh, fine spirits and scores and ranks all producers across a series of categories identifying uh, the gold, silver and bronze medalists and of course awarding a trophy to best in class submissions providing they are all of gold medal standard. The show is now in its fifth uh, iteration and uh, I'm joined by one of South Africa's most widely consulted liquor industry authorities and he's also the chairman of the judging panel for the Trophy Spirits show. He is Michael Fridgen and he's going to chat to me about the 2023 Trophy Spirits show. And Michael, uh, you saw a significant uptick in the number of entries submitted across all classes this year. Uh, Does this indicate a certain recovery for the industry after what has been some very tumultuous years? 
Um, I'd like to say it is, but the pattern of entries doesn't completely show that. So the strongest single category or class was whiskey, and there the predominance of entries came from major producers, the the really big names in the spirits industry worldwide, you know, from the top brandies produced by Distel and KWV to whiskies produced by Chivas, Johnny Walker, the single malt distillers, it really was an extraordinary array. When I look at the gin entries, and there were plenty of them, I think nearly 40, it's not as, if you like, as broad in terms of craft product as it was back in 2019. So I guess the answer to your question is not yet, I'm afraid. We hope that it does make its way because it does play a big part also in our economy and our GDP in terms of uh, in terms of contributing to that. Uh, Michael, what were some of the standout trends and some of the uh, the highlights in terms of the entries and submissions that you got this year? As I said, one of the really interesting trends for me has been the presence of big international brands and their enthusiasm to put their highly branded, but nevertheless and precisely because of that, brands which have things to lose by being put into a competition with relatively to the overseas companies, unknown judges. Although there is one international judge amongst three on every panel. And so I think a standout feature is something which is almost the opposite of what we see in wine. And if you give me a second, I'll explain what I'm seeing here. When it comes to wine, generally the understanding is the smaller and the more artisanal a producer is, the smaller the site from which he can obtain his grapes. In theory, the more precise, more interesting, more complex, and I suppose more premium the product. When you turn to whiskey or gin or cognac, the the whole brand enterprise is much bigger than the site enterprise. They are sourcing enormous quantities of product, but in order to maintain the promise of their advertising, they really have to be on top of the quality game. And so when you see who the generally the prize winners were here, there is a recognition that the brand promise of the big producers is actually being kept. So the top brandy of show was the Martel XO Cognac, which also happened to have won the Vinolock Prize for the best premium spirit. So it was the highest scoring and the highest priced of the entries. So there is a correlation between price and absolutely discernible value judged in a blind tasting environment. And I can do the same through almost all of the categories if you're interested. Well, look, I, I think time is not on our side, but what we are going to do is we're going to put all that information up on the santantimes.co.za. If you want to find out who some of the winners were in different categories, you can go on there if you're listening and uh, and see the full rundown because it is quite a bit. But, Michael, what I'd like to ask you, though, is, is that obviously an award like this, uh, a recognition like this means a lot to uh, the winners uh, and it hopefully boosts their sales. It adds more prestige to the product that they do produce. And that is very dependent on the quality of the judges. Can you give us a bit of an idea of the composition of the judging panel that made the decision to award some of these uh, spirits? With pleasure. So we have had, as I said, three-person panels for each of the main categories and they are juggled around for some of the minor categories. 
For example, the whiskey panel has um, a guy called George Harper, who is one of the main distillers and blenders for Diageo, which I think is the biggest spirits company in the world. Um, the gin panel had John Smith, who comes from one of the London gin houses, Beef Eater. And if you move across to the brandy, Jerome Royer, who was the overseas judge there, is president of the French Brandy and the French Cognac Association. So you've got real international judges, and the local judges are all spirit specialists. Some of them are graduates of the Spirits Judging Academy, which we've been running. And so we have highly skilled judges, and the result is that they can really focus on the absolute quality of what is in front of them. Well, that's tremendous. Well, there, Michael Fridgen joining us on the line. They're talking about the Trophy Spirits Show for 2023, brought to you by Investec. They've also got a very, very big presence here in Santon. And as I said, we're going to put all the information up on the website. If you want to find out a little bit more, if you're doing some uh, some shopping this weekend and you want to pick up uh, some of the award-winning uh, titles, uh, well, you can do so. Uh, and we'll put up uh, those details there for you. Michael Fridgen, I thank you for joining me on the Santon Times Hour. And we're going to take a quick break and more of the hour right after this. From Greater Santon to the rest of the world, this is the Santon Times Hour. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and also available on all good podcast platforms. And that was uh, Summertime Sadness by Lana Del Rey and uh, Cedric Gervais. I don't know about summertime sadness. It feels more like wintertime sadness uh, and summertime joy. But anyway, hopefully that's coming around pretty soon. We've got uh, a couple of weeks or what is it, two months, and then uh, we can do it all over again when the sun comes out. And anyway, we're talking about the sun coming out. Uh, I've, I read a releasing uh, piece uh, on the internet this week. Uh, one of uh, uh, the companies based here in uh, Greater Santon, well, they've gone out and they've uh, installed some beehives which I thought was very interesting. I'm a, I'm a big consumer of honey. I like creamed honey. I've got a fantastic uh, honey supplier uh, on the on the other side of Houghton who uh, does the most incredible honey. And uh, and if you want to know which one it is, uh, you can DM me. I'll send you the details. But I'm fascinated by the bees. I'm fascinated by honey. And it's just an incredible topic to talk about. So to join me uh, in talking about this is uh, Ulana von Bilyun. She's the chief, chief operating officer of Emira. And uh, Ulana, why did Emira Properties decide to uh, install beehives on their properties? Yes, I think the most important thing is when we decided what we're going to do is how can we create awareness of preserving biodiversity, especially being a property company, because we are bricks and mortar. So we um, we don't have farms um, and these big pieces of areas. So for us, it was identifying what we could do. And we then felt it is important how we can then address the global bee population. One of our um, staff members said, I think this will be really good to look at it. Now, for us, it was the biodiversity first. And then we felt in society in general, it's also good to inform people of the importance of uh, bees. And that we started already in 2020 with two of our properties. Well, it certainly got us chatting now, so I'm I'm quite happy that you guys have done that. And uh, yeah, I mean the the global bee colonies, bee uh, bees in general around the world have uh, been having a bit of a tough time, and there's been talks of how bees uh, are on the decline, as well as the risks that we face if bees do not make it through the next decade. The the ramification it has for us in terms of food chain supply, I mean everything 
that bees do is is pretty remarkable. And I think that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. You know, what are some of the, the the other benefits that you have? I mean, obviously you've got now bees producing honey. I mean, are you going to start selling honey now? Are you are you looking to do something else with with these bee colonies that you now have? Yeah, you know what, I think um, maybe if I must just first say, I think from a mirror's point of view, for us to be innovative, and the bees were definitely innovative. Uh, so it was more than just having that honey production. But I think we saw the bees not only as the with biodiversity, but also more part of that holistic approach. How can we reduce the impacts of environmental uh, degradation? Because we do the planting of the trees as well. So we did see that um, as a benefit. But probably one of the most important things you knowing about bees, bees are vital for pollinating plants. And most of our office parks, we've got lovely gardens. So you need the bees to pollinate the rest of the plants as well. Well, and it also contributes to the unique taste of the honey. I mean, the other day I had the most incredible lychee honey, which I didn't even think you could actually get, but it tastes unbelievable. Yeah. These different plants and these and these different uh, spaces that the bees can forage from heavily impacts you know the flavor of the honey what you get i mean you get wildflower i mean if you go down to one of your local shops you'll probably see there's a whole bunch of different flavored honeys and it all comes through whatever the uh, the bees consume uh, what are some of the unique uh, flavors or tastes that you've got uh, in in your gardens there at Edemira? what are you hoping to to infuse in the honey well you know it's very interesting that you were actually aware of this there's not a lot of people that realize that depending on where you where your beehives are, that the taste will differ because of the, the flora and because of the plants. So for us in Gauteng specifically, you know, the taste of the, the nectar differs. Usually bees, what they do is they in a radius of about three kilometers from where their beehives are. So whatever flora that you've got there. In Johannesburg, as an example, we in a man-made forest, you know, so the the type of suburbs that we've got in jo- Johannesburg, that's more your ornamental type of flowers, mm. differs from Edwuna Park, where we've got a beehive as well, in Pretoria North. There it's more indigenous plants. So very interesting, wherever they are, the taste is different. Yeah, certainly, absolutely. And I don't know how much uh, flavor we have in Johannesburg. I mean, I'm not, we're going to be get, not getting King Proteas or, or any of the other sort of exotic plants, but you never know. Tell me, what yeah. were some of the factors that you took into consideration when you decided to to put down these these hives? I mean, I know a lot of people have accidentally gotten a beehive in their garden because it just suited the environment and the bees decided, well, this is a good spot. Now that you're sort of almost uh, designing the beehive space, what, what, went, what went into that? Well, I think the most important, like anyone, bees need food. So when you identify a site, it's very important to know what flowers, what plants you've got, because they need to eat, if I can call it that. So that is probably one of the most important. What gardens do we have? Is there enough for them to eat? And then secondly, unfortunately, um, Alex, in South Africa, it's also about security. We find that a lot of people are trying this, but they get vandalism. Oh. Um, with the plants, they they get they they steal it, they they break it, and that was the the second most important to see where do we do the different sites need very good in, uh, security and it needs to be protected. So they need to eat, and then we need to protect them. So now, Alimira, do you now have a, a chief bee officer? Is there somebody who's now uh, dedicated to looking after these bee colonies and making sure that they they live a happy life and they they do what they need to do? 
Well, um, there is a joke that I'm queen bee, but no, 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 that's <laughs> not my, my job. Um, no, we do outsource to two um, different parties um, countrywide, and they actually look after our bees. Um, they also do the harvesting. They come and make sure on a monthly basis that our bees are fine, that our queen bee is fine. Because as you know, you can't get any honey if we don't have a good queen bee on um, at our sites. Unbelievable. No, that's really fantastic and it's good to hear and I'm interested to see how the, the honey business goes for you. I mean, if uh, if uh, you know if, if property is already working well, who knows, maybe uh, you know the honey business might be a, a sort of a secondary avenue for you to explore. But uh, congratulations <laughs> and uh, I wish you all the best with uh, w- with your honey project, Olana von Billion, Chief Operating Officer of Emira. They've uh, installed some beehives in uh, their properties and uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it and see how they do. But uh, thank you so much for joining me on the Santon Times Thank you so much for inviting me. And that's it for another Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and is always available on all good podcast platforms. If you want to get in touch, you can email editor at santontimes.co.za or connect on social media at Santon Times or visit the website www.santontimes.co.za and feel free to send through your thoughts, your questions, your comments, your feedback. All of those are welcome. And uh, yeah, it's always nice to hear from you. Thank you to all our guests who made time to be on the show this week as well as uh, my man behind the desk, Vincenzo. Thank you for always uh, being here and doing your bit and uh, keeping me company as well. And thank you to the Santon Times team as well as everyone at Mix 93.8. And a special thank you to you for tuning in every week, listening and being part of the show. And let's connect again next week. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Santon Times Hour. And if you enjoyed it, be sure to share it. 